Welcome back to the Mackinac on Michigan show brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. And I'm Jarrett Skorup. And uh, there have been a lot of complaints over the years about Michigan's FOIA laws and access for citizens to see what the government's up to, see what the governor's office is up to, see what their local government's up to. Uh, and over the years, the Mackinac Center's uh, filed many FOIA requests, thousands, I think, probably. Yeah. And um, so we decided, you know what, let's just see how we can fix this once and for all. And we've got Steve DeLee on the line from the Mackinac Center who's got a new study out called Fixing FOIA, which goes through the changes in law that should happen for citizens to actually be able to hold the government accountable. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Steve, can you what what is FOIA in the first place? Yeah. For people that don't know, what what is it? What's the point of it? Sure. Michigan uh the FOIA is Michigan's Freedom of Information Act, and what that allows is for citizens to be able to hold their government accountable by filing public records requests with the goal of seeing, hey, what's in the records being held by our government? Um, and what we've seen over the years is while that's good in theory, the, the practice has become a problem. How so? Can you walk through, um, you know, what are the challenges to FOIA? Where, the, where, where can citizens not get access to, first of all? What, what is hidden behind closed doors in Michigan? Well, quite a few things. Um, so I'll start with what is categorically out of the out of the question here, which is anything held by the governor's office or by the legislature. Uh, we're one of two states where those two branches of government are entirely exempt from FOIA, and that's a huge problem. That's not one that can be solved without a direct change to the law. The the issues that we see with those bodies who are subject to FOIA is really more of a cultural issue. It's approaching FOIA as a threat. And as a result, that leads to excessive delays, excessive fees, and excessive redactions that really prevent people from getting meaningful access to records. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I know historically, you know, records on like where there's an investigation and people are trying to find out, well, what kind of misconduct um, did the person actually commit? Because they're not going to talk about it. Maybe the, the board members don't talk about it. I know there's been, uh, you know, looking at filings of, of public employees or different school districts who've, who've maybe fired teachers through the Tenure Act. Like those are typical ways people might might do FOIAs, but also for, for things like contracts. Um, increasingly, the, the study talks about how increasingly you've had these non-disclosure agreements that have come up in, in recent years. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, absolutely. This has been a really hot topic in FOIA recently. These are usually connected to large um, economic development projects. So think your Goshen, your Marshall plants, those sorts of things. And what's, hap what's been happening is that lawmakers at both the state and local level have been signing on to these non-disclosure agreements and then claiming that they can't release them under FOIA. Um, in some cases, that may be true, in others, maybe not. But regardless, that's a pretty significant barrier to those people who just want to know what's going on in their local community. So so we just saw, just this morning, there was news that this Marshall plant um, outside Lansing, that they're severely cutting back on how large that plant is, how many jobs they're projecting. So previously, they were negotiating this hundreds of millions of dollars deal for that. And lawmakers signed these non-disclosure agreements, state officials did, and they used that as an excuse to say, well, we can't talk about it, we can't release 
the information and then and then no taxpayer gets to know until it's essentially a done deal so you're so this rewrite would would this ban something like that would it make those uh subject that people could get them quicker um what's what's one of the solutions well, it makes it easier uh, to obtain those in, in circumstances where they'd be currently subject. Um, those are a little bit tricky because if you're signing in a private capacity as somebody who may be selling land, the terms may be a little bit different than if you're signing as a public official. But what this does is it really creates an incentive structure that moves public bodies away from this approach of everything that we produce under FOIA is going to be very heavily redacted, very heavily scrutinized and move it to a position where if a public body wants to take that approach, it's going to have to bear the burden rather than the requester having to bear that burden. Got it. So you, you're a lawyer. You've, you've filed a lot of lawsuits on these. What what are the types of lawsuits you file? What what do they? How do they get around the current FOIA law? Um, and and what are some ways that they that public entities try to block the information? Well, it really depends on who your requester is. So for your average citizen, a a very common tactic is to see heavy, heavy estimated time requirements for redactions that increase costs. So we've had school districts asked about curriculum that will charge almost half a million dollars. Um, We've had ourselves here at the center, we've had an over $1 million request a few years back to the state police. And when you put those numbers out, even in more moderate circumstances, a lot of people will not fulfill a request if it's going to cost them over $1,000. So you can that's a very common thing that we have seen as a method to block people, particularly those who aren't lawyers. The other ways that we've seen are excessive delays. So we've seen individual citizens who've had requests go for over nine months without production of records until a lawsuit gets filed. And then the one that we, I think, deal with and sue over and over most often at the center is applying the exemptions that, while good in spirit, um, can be applied so broadly that unless a judge gets a chance to review the case, um, those redactions would prevent the record from being useful. Um, That's the most pernicious, and that's one of the things that our new study tackles. So back when Gretchen Whitmer was elected back in 2018, she she went— full bore into saying how how she was going to make government more transparent. Uh, she said, and I quote, Michiganders should know when and what their governor is working on. Uh, she talked about opening up transparency to things like the SOAR fund, the economic development programs. Um, and, and she talked about financial disclosure. Uh, we've gotten some law passed basically by strong arming the legislature because of the ballot measure last year on financial disclosures for lawmakers. But how would you grade uh, the legislature and the governor over the past couple of years with with transparency. I mean, it seems like we're still in a world, despite this being said in 2018, where you can't have access to what the governor's office is doing. You don't have much access to what legislators are up to. And there's basically no transparency with what these economic development programs are. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not give them a high grade, um, but I, I will give them credit where credit is due. So the legislature has taken this on for the past two sessions and, and for more sessions than that. Last session, uh, bills opening the governor and the legislature's office passed unanimously through the House. Um, this session, bills were introduced early on that were essentially very similar to those bills that passed last session. 
And then right at the end of this session, we had two bills, Senate Bills 690 and 669 and 670. And those are a step in the right direction. Um, they would open the governor and legislature's office to FOIA, but they have a lot of carve-outs. Um, the branches aren't treated co-equally, and by that I mean the executive gets to claim special executive privileges, executive residence. Um, there's a lot of disparate treatment there, and the appeals process for those bills is a political one. It's uh, the legislative leadership would get to decide on appeals as opposed to a bipartisan solution. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a step in the right direction, but um, it would need a lot of work before I think it gets to where it needs to be. we got to leave it there. Uh, for those who are interested, highly encourage you to check out Steve's study called Fixing FOIA. It's on the Mackinac Center's website at Mackinac.org. Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back after a brief break with more of the Mackinac Michigan Show here on WJR.